Good morning. It is my pleasure to welcome you to the Williamsburg Unitarian Universalist online worship service. Our wonderful greeter today is Val Sevilla, and we are here with our pianist, Dave Robbins, and our a wonderful AV crew. And Dave Robbins is wonderful too. If you are on Zoom at this time, you may want to change to speaker view so that you'll have a better view of whoever is speaking. Our AV technicians will be muting and unmuting you as needed. If you'd like to follow along with the order of service, I invite you to visit wuu.org to download a copy. You'll find the link right next to the Zoom and YouTube links. If you're visiting today, we invite you to share your name in the chat if you'd like, or anything you'd like us to know. We also invite you to fill out our online visitor form at wuu.org right underneath the link to download the order of service so we can connect with you later. At the end of the service, you're welcome to join in a small group conversation, especially for new newer folks. We are glad you are here. We're also going to have other breakout groups right after the service for anyone who wants to talk about the sermon or catch up online. They will be facilitated and all are welcome. I have one announcement. The membership book will be open for signing virtually today following the service. If you have completed starting point or pathways to membership, one sessions one and two, or are transferring from another UU congregation or have completed the coming of age class, we welcome you announce your interest in signing when prompted at the end of the service, and you will be added to a special breakout group to signify your commitment to WUU. This piece is called Unsent Love Letters by Elena Katz Chernan, an American composer, and it was requested by Steve Delaney.
Welcome. We are happy that you have joined us via live stream, audio, or video, or Zoom. Whether you have come seeking comfort, encouragement, or inspiration, you belong here. You are seen here, even if we cannot see you physically. If you are a visitor, we offer you a special welcome and a warm thank you for joining us online today. Now I invite you to join in saying our welcoming words. Please, as you say these words, speak them to each other and know that we are connected across the distance. The words have been pasted into the Zoom chat. Let's say them in unison together. Folks on Zoom, we will unmute you so, so that you can hear each other. Come, wherever you are, wherever you are, so the uh, opening hymn is Blue Boat Home. If you'd like to sing along, the words are pasted in the chat box. And please sing if you know this tune.
Good morning. Uh, my name is Steve Delaney, and as we begin or continue our worship together, um, I just want to share a short poem as, a, as our call to worship. Um, before I was thinking about, as we read that opening welcome greeting together, and you could hear sort of the chorus of voices. I'm sure everybody experienced this this way. It's like a waterfall of you're hearing it sort of echo together. Reminded me of, a, there's a line in Houston Smith's um, classic book on world religions called The Religions of the World. And uh, he, he's reflecting on how does God hear all of these different prayers and everything rising up together. And he says, does it sound like a cacophony or a chorus? Um, and his, his, uh, his idea was that it sounds like a chorus, even if it sounds a little chaotic. And uh, I thought that was beautiful to hear. Um, this is a short poem called Tillico Lake. It's by David White. He's uh, a British poet. He lives in the Northwest of the United States. And um, Tillico Lake is a lake in the Himalayas that is, uh, happens in the summer when the glaciers melt. So it's just a lake, it's an ice lake basically. And he's never been there, but he was imagining going there as a uh, moment of encountering. But I've always loved this. It was one of the first poems I've memorized and I've sort of carried it as a prayer. Um, so this is Tillico Lake. It says, in this high place, it is as simple as this. Leave everything you know behind. Step toward the cold surface. Say the old prayer of rough love and open both arms. Those who come with empty hands will stare into the lake astonished. There in the cold light reflecting pure snow, the true shape of your own face. The true shape of your own face. And so come, let us worship together. Thank you, Steve, and thank you for inspiring us in our continuing course and cacophony. <laughs> All right, we are going to light our chalice and keep in mind uh, members of all ages are welcome to have a chance to light the chalice in their homes as we go through this time of Zoom services. It is a lovely chance to see all the home chalices, a symbol of the Unitarian Universalist faith. Please let Austin know if you're interested. This is a special chalice that I found here even recently in Williamsburg. So if you have a chalice or candle nearby, please joining, join with me in lighting the flame. Again, we'll unmute you and we'll say these words in wonderful chaos. He's already spilled wax on we light the chalice for the warmth of love, for the light of truth, energy of action, peace in our hearts, peace in our community, peace in our world. Thank you. Last Sunday, we began a summer series of From the Heart Reflections on Racial Justice, where we can learn something, explore our experiences, look at the world with new eyes, ask new questions, acknowledge mistakes we have made, and find new paths forward. 
Today, Lisa Craig and her family shares thoughts with us first in the wisdom story and then in a from the heart. Lisa. Hello. Um, I'd like to invite you to join in saying an affirmation we often say with the youth when we start classes. And it comes with hand movements, so we're going to teach them to you, and then we can say it together. And I've posted the words um, in the chat box. So are you guys ready? We're going to teach them? Okay. So you start with, you can either use the letter U in sign language, or you can make a U with your hands. And it goes like this. We are the Unitarian Universalist. And then you put your hands up on your head with open minds, and you make a little heart loving hearts okay. and helping hands. Yeah. Okay. Let's, let's do it together. <laughs> we are the, ready? Let's do it loud. We gotta be loud so they can hear you. Ready? We are the Unitarian Universalists with open minds, loving hearts, and helping hands. <laughs> So being a you, you is not just something we are. It is also a verb because it is something we do. And so we also ask, how did you 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 this week? Examples of you youing would be, how are, what are some examples of you youing? Did you help the earth? Maybe you tended to a garden. Maybe you planted something. Um, you took care of a pet or you recycled. Um, or maybe you use your voice to stand up for someone or something that is important to you. Our second UU principle is justice, equity, and compassion in human relations. We believe that all people should be treated fairly. As a congregation, we UU'd this week. We put up road signs um, along the front of our church on Ironbound Road, Black Lives Matter signs. Um, as you're driving by, you can see a consecutive of, of seven signs. And they go um, say their names. And then there's four signs of uh, people of color that have been murdered um, unjustly. And then we say, it, and then the next sign says, um, WUU believes Black Lives Matter. And if you're driving the other direction, then you see different names. And we're going to um, keep moving those names, uh, flipping them over and changing them around. Um, unfortunately, there's just way too many names to put up. So we have, we have plenty of names. Um, if you would also like to UU, um, <clears throat> by sponsoring a sign, you can go to wu.org and donate in the memo line, or you can write a check and in the memo line, um, write Black Lives Matter signs. Um, $15 uh, will sponsor a name. $30 will sponsor a sign that has names on both sides. Um, we are also supporting uh, a local Black-owned business. Uh, in, in Williamsburg. So uh, it's a great way to you, you. Um, and when I also asked the question, how do you, 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 um, recently, uh, Zen and Star and Kanan, who are here, um, went to three kid-friendly protests to stand together against injustices towards people of color. Um, we used our voices to support our black and brown friends and family. 
And I would love to share a little video that we put together. Some of our protest signs are behind us. We, po we posted them all over the window back here so we could share. Um, I would love to share a little video that Jackson made, an interview that Jackson made yesterday um, of his video sharing his, uh, his chants that he learned and, um, and his pro explaining his protest signs. So I'm gonna share my screen now. All right. No justice, no peace. 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 What do you want? Justice. When do we want it? Now. What do we want? Justice. When do we want it? Now. Is, does your voice matter? Yeah. What does all that say? Oh, you, it says, I love, love you, but you can just do it as I love, I, you can just do it as love, I love, love you, love you. Very nice. Okay, tell me a little bit about this sign. What's this sign say? Can you tell me about this sign? Wait, there's one more thing about it. Oh, one more thing about it. I'm sorry. This is a girl. He loves his and the base. This is a black sister, and this is a base little brother. But the little brother loves his black sister still because he, because if he's different colors, he still loves him. That's beautiful. And this is a and this is the other part top hat. This is the part of the protest, but this is the part of everything else. Is, are these and, guys all in the protest? They're all in and, the march together? And this is rain coming down, and this is sunshine. Sunshine or rain. Yep. I love it. Black, treat black lives fairly. And this part of it says black lives are getting treated unfairly. Treat them fairly. Very nice. But black lives, but this kind of life that's black life isn't getting treated fairly. So if we treat them fairly, all lives are supposed to be treated fairly. I'm going to shake your hand, other hand. You shake your hand, I'm going to say thank you for this interview and for your time and for, for sharing your heart with me. Thank you. I mean, thank you. <laughs> So, <clears throat> thank you for allowing us to share as any sign, and um, <laughs> I'd like to invite uh, you to the WU family page and <clears throat> share your own signs. Uh, they can be about anything that you that is important to you. Uh, maybe place the signs in your yard, take a picture, and then you can go on and onto the WU family page on Facebook and and share them with all of us. Your voice matters. Does everybody's voice matter? Yeah. <clears throat> okay, so um, give me one second, please, to kind of readjust myself as I uh, do the from the heart. Um, kids are unpredictable, so um, <laughs> I never know. <laughs> 
I never know how much background noise we're going to get um, with tech and everything online, so I appreciate your patience. Um, I've honor, I'm honored to be able to do uh, the From the Heart talk um, today. Uh, and mine is Own Your Whiteness. Own your whiteness. As I sat there listening to those words, it struck a chord so deeply that at the end of the sermon, I left feeling confused, uh, perplexed, and unsure. It was about six years ago, our minister at the time was Reverend Jennifer Rue, a Korean American, a woman of color that stood in front of our congregation, predominantly white people, and said, own your whiteness. The chord resonated within me and not in a good way. You know, the deep bass chords that demand your attention, a minor note that makes you feel uneasy. I didn't identify as white. I didn't check those little race boxes that you find on applications and census forms. I married a Filipino. I know I have at least a little Native American ancestry, so why did I have to own my whiteness? It felt so gross. White was synonymous with racism. White people owned slaves. White people stole land from indigenous people. I didn't want that to be my cultural identity. I didn't choose to be white. I have always treated people, others fairly and with kindness. Martin Luther King Jr. said, judge people by the content of their character, not the color of their skin. Isn't that enough? So why do I have to own my whiteness? I've thought about Reverend Jennifer's words every single day since that sermon. I've written about it. I have contemplated over it many, many times. I had to step outside of my own ego and work through my own white guilt, white fragility, to realize that owning my whiteness isn't about how I see myself. It's about how the rest of the world sees me, how the systems see me. I have privilege simply because I have white skin, lighter skin. Laws and regulations and policies and even history and science were written in favor of white people. And it's not enough for us to be kind and to treat others fairly. We must use our whiteness to change, dismantle, and rewrite these systems. Own your whiteness is a call to action. Systemic racism exists deeply within many of these industries, not just our police departments. It's our educational system, our medical system, our food industry, our justice system. Owning our whiteness is about asking ourselves every single day and in every situation, what can I do to be anti-racist? Ibram X. Kendi explains that the opposite of racist isn't not racist. It is anti-racist. What's the difference, he asks. One endorses either the idea of racial hierarchy as a racist or racial equality as an anti-racist. One either believes problems are rooted in groups of people as a racist 
or locates the roots of the problem in power and policies as an anti-racist. One either allows racial inequities to persevere as a racist or confronts racial inequities as an anti-racist. There is no in-between space of non-not racist. Becoming an anti-racist is hard work. It's action that we must take to change policies. So I will continue to work on becoming an anti-racist. I will continue to do the work that Reverend Jennifer called me to do. And I will own my whiteness. Thank you. Please join me in a few minutes of meditation, reflection, and prayer. We are all holding so much in our hearts these days for our beloved community here and around the world. If you are on Zoom, I invite you to type the names in the chat of those who you are thinking of today. Let us reach out in loving presence to draw our circle wide in compassion and light. Today in our community, we especially think of the many people who have had a loss in these last few weeks and months. Trena, Martha, Helen, Dave, Al. It is so much, this moment, this precious moment. And now as we hold all these loved ones and cares and joys in our hearts, I will offer a reading to carry you into a moment of reflection at the sound of the bell. This is Oceans by Juan Ramon Jimenez that Steve suggested. I have a feeling that my boat has struck down there in the depths against a great thing and nothing happens. Nothing. Silence. Waves. Nothing happens or has everything happened? And are we standing now quietly in the new life? Amen and blessed be. Please sing along if you know this. Spirit of life, come unto me. 
stirrings of compassion blow in the morning. Each Sunday we make an offering from the bounty we are blessed to enjoy. And we do so in a spirit of generosity and in recognition of our ongoing commitment to serve our world and share our values. Each month we have a Share the Plate Sunday to give to one of the local organizations that provides a much needed service to our community. <clears throat> it offers us an opportunity to extend our compassion to others in need. This week, your contributions will go to the scholarship fund of the York James City Williamsburg NAACP branch to support the several thousand dollar scholarships that are presented annually to deserving minority graduates from area high schools. If you're joining us for the first time, please feel free to give if you wish, but also know that your presence is gift enough. If you'd like to give through our website, please visit wuu.org and click on Give Online to WUU. If you'd like to give by text, please text the dollar amount of your gift to 757-500-0688. That's 757-500-0688 and follow the prompts from there. Or if you prefer to give by check, please mail your check to WUU 3051 Ironbound Road, Williamsburg, Virginia 23185. Thank you so much for your generosity. Now we have with us back today, Brian Smalls, the president of our local NAACP branch to tell us a little more. Brian. Hello, WU family. How's everybody doing? <laughs> For those of you who don't know me, my name is Brian Smalls, and I'm the branch president of the York James City Williamsburg branch of the NAACP. Since 2016, I've had uh, been blessed with the opportunity to come and address your congregation on behalf of our branch. Never since coming to address your church have I felt compelled to do so more than right now. The murder of George Floyd, the death of Ahmaud Arbery, and the killing of Breonna Taylor have led to a movement in this country unlike anything we've seen in decades. Conversations are being had that have never been had before. This moment in this time is an opportunity for some individuals and businesses to step forward for the very first time and say enough is enough. For other entities, it offers an opportunity to continue to do the work that they've been doing for decades. Here, at WUU, racial justice is an issue that you've been on the front lines dealing with for a long time. Black lives have always mattered to you, even if others are just coming to the party. Now, as branch president of the York James City Williamsburg branch of the NAACP, 
I am pleased that there are community partners such as yourselves, not only uh, talking about this, but they're walking the walk. Your financial commitment with your uh, Pass the Plate giving initiative is further evidence of who you are and what you are about. In moments like this in our nation's history, people coming together and affecting real change is critical to moving the conversation forward. So on behalf of the York James City Williamsburg branch of the NAACP, thank you for being a part of the solution and moving us closer to a positive change. Please stay safe while everything is going on with COVID and I can't wait until the next time that we can greet in person. Peace and blessings. Thanks so much, Brian. Really appreciate it. This is a song by Bruce Springsteen called My City in Ruins. There's a blood red circle on the cold dark ground. The rain is falling down. The church doors open. I can hear the organ song. The congregation's gone. My city of ruins. My city of ruins. Now the sweet bells of mercy through the evening trees. Young men on the corner like scattered leaves. The boarded up windows, the empty streets, while my brother's down on his knees. My city of ruins. My city of ruins. Come on, rise up. 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 Rise up. Now there's tears on the pillow, darling, where we slept. And you took my heart when you left. Without your sweet kiss, my soul has lost my friend. Now tell me, where do I begin again? My city's in ruins. My city's in ruins. Now with these hands, with these hands, with these hands, with these hands, I said now with these hands. Feel free to sing along. With these hands, with these hands. 
with these hands. I pray for the strength, Lord. With these hands. Oh, come on. With these hands. I pray for the faith, Lord. With these hands. With these hands. I pray for your love, Lord. With these hands. I pray for the lost, Lord. With these hands. With these hands, pray for the Lord, Lord. With these hands, with these hands, come on, rise up, 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 rise up. Thank you, Scott. And now a poem. It's called For the Interim Time by John O'Donohue. When near the end of day, life is drained out of light and it is too soon for the mind of night to have darkened things. No place looks like itself. Loss of outline makes everything look strangely in between, unsure of what has been or what might come. In this wan light, even trees seem groundless. In a while, it will be night, but nothing here seems to believe the relief of darkness. You are in the time of the interim, where everything seems withheld. The path you took to get here has washed out. The way forward is still concealed from you. The old is not old enough to have died away. The new is still too young to be born. You cannot lay claim to anything in this place of dusk. Your eyes are blurred and there is no mirror. Everyone else has lost sight of your heart and you can see nowhere to put your trust. You know you have to make your own way through. As far as you can, hold your confidence. Do not allow confusion to squander this call, which is loosening your roots in false ground that you might come free from all you have outgrown. What is being transfigured here in your mind, and it is difficult and slow to become new, the more faithfully you can endure here, the more refined your heart will become for your arrival in the new dawn. Thank you, Sue, for that uh, great reading. Um, there's been so much uh, richness already. Um, I feel I'm it's always a privilege and it's always humbling to get to be here. Um, I feel like I just want to have us be quiet for five minutes and take in everything that's happened uh, so far. 
Um, well, good morning again. Uh, again, my name is Steve Delaney, and um, I wish that I could be with all of you in person, um, but I'm really grateful to get to be able to do it this way. Um, I was last with the community here in February, which seems like many lifetimes ago. Um, seems like a very long time ago uh, back then. Um, like many of us, um, I've been spending a lot of time and energy, you know, thinking and praying and worrying uh, about the experiences we're having, the times that we're in um, with our community, um, with the virus, uh, with this uh, pressing awareness of uh, race and inequality. Um, and also experiences in my own family. Um, my older sister passed away this last year. I spent the spring quarter, last quarter of school teaching online, which was a new experience. Um, trying to find out what does it mean to have a family life when we're just at home all the time. Uh, I have three boys um, and my wife, Alice and I. So, when Sue reached out to me to, to come uh, and get to spend some time with you all, I was, the question I was asking was, um, what is it like, this experience, this feeling of being lost, this feeling of being in this time of tremendous change? Um, what will things be like? What will we lose? Um, what have we lost? And also the question, who will we be when we come through? Um, so I wanted to reflect a little bit just on this experience of change. Uh, and again, I was thinking for myself um, and I just want to offer some reflections and hopefully some um, spiritual practices that uh, maybe could be of help. Um, but I'm going to do it by not taking on the huge things we're struggling with, but stepping back and going into a smaller, more intimate space. Um, and, but hopefully we'll connect. And so, I'm going to tell a story and then I'm going to talk about a book and then I have three pieces of advice and I have some high tech, uh, audiovisual props. So the story is called how I learned to be married. And this is my high tech prop. That's my wife, Allison. And that's me when I was younger and less gray and bald. And, uh, she's watching this in the other room. So I have to be really good. And then the book we're gonna, I'm gonna offer is The Divine Comedy by Dante, uh, recent publication from the 1300s. Um, but it, hopefully it will fit together. Okay, so part one, how I learned to be married. Uh, so uh, next Sunday, July 19th, is our 17th wedding anniversary. And um, I met Allison in August about 20 years ago. We were both volunteers at a volunteer program in Chicago, uh, where you worked in neighborhoods in the city that were really struggling with poverty. And uh, we were living in different communities, but her first impression of me was I was trying to see how many times I could go down a water slide in an hour. And her impression was this guy is super obnoxious. And which really has not, that impression hasn't changed much over the last, uh, the next 20 years. Um, the first time she and I went out for coffee, she 
I had 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 several girlfriends over the past two years. And our first real conversation was, she said, you know, you're pretty notorious when it comes to dating, which was refreshing. And um, I thought, this is awesome. This is the kind of person I'm really interested in, is someone who will uh, be that direct and honest. Um, our courtship was brief and intense. Within a month of starting to date, we started talking about getting married. Um, and we were married in 2003. But just before the marriage was the fight began, that fight. And we had the same fight for about nine months. <clears throat> Excuse me. And the fight was basically this. Um, my position in the fight was, I don't understand why you can't see how right I am. And her position in the fight was, I don't understand how you don't see how right I am. And the fight could be about anything, but that was basically the details of it. Um, was this back and forth about, I'm right, no, I'm right. Um, we were in graduate school in Chicago when we got married, and she finished a semester ahead of me and had planned to go to see her mom for a couple weeks uh, right when she finished her exams. So it was pre-planned, but the day that she left, we had a huge version of the fight. And um, when I took her to the airport, we were both so hot from angering, from arguing, that she just got out of the car and slammed the door and walked in to the airport. Um, and I remember driving home just feeling bereft. Uh, and I went home to our little apartment and was there by myself for the first time and had this feeling like the first time I experienced, oh, this might not actually work. Um, this doesn't automatically work because I thought I was a nice guy. Um, and that it might be asking something of me that was more than I had anticipated. And I remember spending that first night and I came to the understanding that I may have to change before I can ask anything of her. That I have to become someone new and I don't know how to do that. Um, and my old skills, my old way of being, who I had been was not adequate to this new life that we were trying to enter together. Um, and the next night we had a long conversation on the phone and in my own life, I marked that as when we were really began to be married because I think it was the beginning of understanding uh, what this work was. And it began this long process that is sometimes challenging and so often joyful of learning what does it mean to be married, right? That I had to be willing to change first and allow myself to become something new if this was gonna be something uh, that it wanted to be. Okay, that's part one. All right, part two, divine comedy. Um, I promise this will connect. So for those who aren't familiar with the Divine Comedy by Dante, it's a long poem in three parts, written in the 1300s. Dante was an Italian poet from the city of Florence. And if most people are familiar with the Divine Comedy, it's from the first part, the Inferno, where Dante travels through the Inferno and there's all these punishments of, for people who've done uh, 
things wrong and they can be pretty gruesome. And that's most people's perception of the Divine Comedy. Um, but really what the poem is, is, it, is it's an exploration of change. And I first read it in 2005 when my son Joseph was born. I'd heard a lecture about it. And I thought, oh, this sounds interesting. And so when Joseph was a baby, I would sit up at night while he was sleeping and I would read the Divine Comedy. It took me a long time. Um, and I've been returning to it during these months of quarantine and being at home just as a practice to keep me grounded in something and to see what it has to say to me now. And so I want to give the context of what, when Dante wrote this poem and then just the beginning, because I think it connects to this, to where we are, um, has something to say. So Dante lived in a world that when we, I look at it, has a lot of connections for the world we live in. Um, he was a citizen of Florence, and in Italy during that time, your identification was really with your city, where um, there wasn't a country of Italy. So he was a Florentine, he was from Florence, that was his place. Uh, and he was a very famous poet. He was probably the most popular poet in Italy uh, in that time. And um, Europe, when he lived, was riven by an intense political conflict, basically between the emperor, Holy Roman Emperor, and the papacy uh, for political influence. But it was a political conflict that penetrated every layer of society. So from international politics to local, regional, even to in the town, um, it really people felt extremely divided and split. And when Dante is in his mid-30s, he is his side on this conflict gets kicked out in a coup and he's exiled from Florence for the rest of his life. He can never go home. And if he goes home, he'll be executed. Uh, he loses his home, his property. He doesn't see his family for many years. And he lives the rest of his life as an exile and wandering, um, basically uh, taken care of by people who will take him in. And so it's in this crisis of his life where there's this intense conflict and then he loses everything that he writes this poem. Um, and while the poem does lay out a lot of theological understanding and this vision of political change, the poem is really about how does one person undergo change? What does it mean to be lost and then want to change? Um, so context, I just want to tell the beginning of the poem. And the poem starts out this way. It's written in Italian, and, um, but the poem begins this way, the first lines. In the middle of the road of this, our life, I awoke to find myself in a dark wood where the true way was wholly lost. In the middle of this road of our life, I awoke to find myself in a dark wood where the true way was wholly lost. So the beginning of the poem is Dante is just lost in the woods. He has no way, no understanding of where he is or how he got there. And then he looks up and he sees the mountain. He goes, oh, that's the way back home. I, that's how I got here. I'll go that way. And so he starts to go up the mountain and then he's blocked by these three beasts, these terrible beasts. And he runs away panicking back into the forest. And when I was thinking about the title for this reflection, I called it A New Way Home. Because of this, Dante realizes he can't go the way he just came. Then, 
a poet comes, Virgil, who wrote the Aeneid, he's an ancient Roman poet. And he says to Dante, hey, Dante, I'm here to guide you, but you can't go back the way that you came. If you want to go home, there is a new way. And it's this difficult path through the inferno, through hell, and then through purgatory, where people are purred, cleaned of the things they've done wrong, and then to heaven. And Dante's response to Virgil is, I can't do that. In the poem, he says, I'm not Paul, like St. Paul. I'm not Aeneas, like Aeneas who did these things. And Virgil says to him, I was sent by Beatrice, who is the woman Dante really loved and who's died. And it's her love that invites you on this path. You can do it, but if we want to go, it's a long path. Let's go. And that begins the poem. And it's a hundred cantos of this story through, down through the inferno where Dante has to confront what evil means, up the mountain of purgatory where he literally has to undo all of his things he's attached to that he can't let go of. And then through paradise, which is this image of the community uh, of love. Okay, so how I learned to become married, Dante. And so bringing those together, what are some spiritual practices for becoming new? And I, I wanna offer three. Um, the first one is that we get lost and we can't go back the way we came. Uh, when I came home that night after Allison left, and I, I knew she was coming back, but I remember thinking, I don't know if I'm actually capable of doing this right. I actually don't know how to do this. And when I look back on that, it was that moment of being lost, of saying, I don't know if I can do this, that allowed me to begin to change, to grow. And that lostness can be many things, right? It could be a mistake that we've made. It could be the death of someone we love. It can be this time of the virus. It can be suddenly realizing the consequences of our history as a country. But the world is different and we can't go home the way we came. And I think just holding that moment, Lisa meant, talked about it so well when she was reflecting on Reverend Jennifer's uh, sermon six years ago, just that moment of feeling like, oh. Okay, second point. It is a long path to change. And like in the poem that Sue read in the beginning, the line I love is where it says, what is being transfigured here is your mind. And it is slow and difficult to become new. Um, I'm just so compelled by when Dante began to write this poem and he calls out the harm other people's do, but the fundamental message of his poem is that he's the one who needs to change. And I think that, that there's some real wisdom there that when it, no matter what the, the situation is where we're lost, um, I'm the one who needs changing. And that change has to start now, but it's a long path. Um, who do I wanna be as a husband? Who do we wanna be as a, as a community of faith? Who do we wanna be as a country? Um, there's no way around the long path. And then the third invitation or spiritual practice or way to think about this, and is that we walk with each other, that real change needs love. Um, in the Divine Comedy, when Dante begins this journey, he begins because he's invited 
by Beatrice who loves him. Virgil, the poet, comes to walk with him. He's not by himself. Um, in my own story of learning to become married, um, I was able to walk because Allison was walking with me. Right? She was willing to do the work too. She was loving me and so I could change. I don't know if it is possible for us to change without the love of other people. Sometimes that love can be direct and challenging. Sometimes it's just someone walking quietly with us. Sometimes it is someone who carries us. But we aren't alone in this. We need each other. And I think that is one of the lessons for me in this dynamic of change is that in as much as we want others to change, uh, part of that process must be our own fidelity and love and care for them. And in as much as we want to change, it's realizing we need the support of others to do that. When Dante finally completes his journey through the poem, the last stage in paradise, they go through the planets into space and it's this mystical rose. He thinks it's a flower, and, but when he gets up closer to it, it's all of the people, you know, it's a universe of people, a community of love, um, sitting there together, singing. Um, and that's the final vision in the poem is this vision of love. And so ultimately we find our new way home and we do it together. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, Steve. Um, I know we've gone a little bit late, but I'm so glad I was here for every word and every note. Let us say now the words to extinguish the chalice. We invite you to blow out your candle at the same time. We will paste the words in the Zoom chat. Again, we'll do this all together in unison. We extinguish this flame, flame, but not the community. Fire of commitment. We carry in our hearts. Still, we are. Still, we are together again. Together again. So let us uh, close this time of presence and prayer together. This is just a short prayer by uh, John O'Donohue again. May my mind come alive today to the invisible geography that invites me to new frontiers, to break the dead shell of yesterdays, to risk being disturbed and changed. May I have the courage today to live the life that I would love, to postpone my dream no longer and do at last what I came here for and waste my heart on fear no more. And so blessings to all of us today. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Steve.